We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to week three of the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto Grinders. I am Britt Devine uh, here with uh, my man, uh, Mr. Ian Harditz. You can find all of his stuff over on Pro Football Focus. Uh, Ian, week one, week two, they're behind us. We're starting to get data. Uh, I know PFF's all about data. We're finally starting to get enough where we can make some reasonable assumptions about what's going on and use that to our advantage in week three. Uh, what's like the, what's your cutoff? Uh, I used to, I think a couple years ago, I used to like four weeks, but we just, we're so like into the moment now I, I'm willing to take two or even three weeks, maybe not as the gospel, but, but to assign some pretty good weightings to those nowadays. I've, I've worked at a lot of companies and usually the threshold where editors start, you know, barking at you for using last year's stats is after at least three weeks and if not four i think is when we really start looking into 2021 only so that's kind of how i'm approaching it but like you said man it's a hell of a lot better than what we were working with last week where we just had to kind of adjust everything to a couple big blowouts on the slate so finally seeing the numbers stabilizing a little bit but yeah i would say going into week five we'll be feeling really good and you know better next week than now too yeah well let's get into this uh we'll look at your mismatch manifesto i've got it up on the screen here for anyone watching live and I'll sort of go over it along with Ian uh, in case you're listening on the podcast. All free like this that. year. I pushed for that shit. All free. Oh, so you're a mismatch man. You can get the free uh, the free goodness over at PFF uh, for Ian's article. Uh, let's talk about uh, explosion right here. This is one of the big things you start off your mismatch manifesto every week. It's big plays uh, for both sides of the offense here. There's not a lot, right? I'm looking at blue's good. There's only one that's like really shaded blue. That's the Baltimore Detroit. Um, in the run game, do we really believe that? Probably not too much uh, for Detroit here. What's some of the uh, the the biggest uh, advantages we can get this week in terms of expecting some big plays? And for those that haven't heard us uh, break us down, uh, just real quick, the whole purpose of this article is to stop the two-way metrics for identifying you know mismatches. It's always like, oh, we have the number one rushing offense versus the number 32 rushing defense. I've just combined those stats so that we can look at every matchup versus the other matchups and not have you know a bunch of other numbers going around. So with that said, the quarterback set up to ball the hell out this week. Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson. And that is through the air. The Lamar part, I think, 
think is particularly interesting because you look back, man, right about the time all of us canceled Hollywood Brown last year and we just said we're done with you in fantasy. He's done nothing but ball out. Last 10 games, at least 80 yards and or a touchdown every single time. I'm certainly not afraid of anyone in that Detroit Lions secondary. On the other side of things, uh, Kirk Cousins popping a little bit as someone that might have trouble creating some explosive plays against Seattle. That to me seems a little bit fluky. I think the game total and just the fact Seattle, you know, has gotten off the hook, not facing. I mean, I shouldn't say not facing the best uh, passing games. They played the Colts and they played the Titans who, you know, AJ Brown dropped two explosive passes that he, I think he catches nine times out of 10 in that spot. So not too worried about Kirk with Josh Allen and with uh, Trevor Lawrence. So that's where it gets interesting. So with Lawrence, I'm not too concerned about him putting up numbers with the volume against that secondary. Let's hope they can keep him upright. We'll look at pressure here in a little bit. And with Josh Allen, man, don't look now, but all, a lot of his efficiency numbers are looking a hell of a lot more like 2018, 2019 compared to the world beater version we saw in 2020. So I think they turned around here sooner rather than later. I'm not completely panicking about the Bills offense just yet, but man, you know, it's one of these situations where we can still fire up digs confidently, but you know, when Sanders and Beasley, even Gabriel Davis and certain things might, might need to wait a little bit until we see Josh start looking like that MVP uh, was the right word. Second place finisher that he was last year <laughs> compared to the guy we've seen so far in 2021. Yeah. Josh Allen's all about pressure with him and the teams he's been playing against have been getting pressure. Washington can do that a little bit, but their secondary is a little weak. Uh, one of the things I like to do as the season progresses, I look at those team grades on PFF. Um, that's like the extra super premium subscription you can get over there. Um, that really tells you what's going on across the board at all the positions. And uh, Washington secondary, not too great so far this year, uh, at least as a grade, um, but they can get some pressure. We'll see how Josh Allen can deal with that. Uh, let's go to down the, uh, the article here. Uh, let's take a look at pace. This is one of the most important things that factors into projections that sort of run everything in the industry, right? That nobody wants to use Derrick Henry last week because he's a half a point projected less then another guy, and then he goes off for 50 DraftKings points, right? Like the projections, basically, I, I think they're almost, uh, I'll have my uh, Millionaire Maker article for the first three weeks. That'll be out here on Roto-Grinders Premium next week. I like to get a couple weeks of data, but we're just, it's the the lowest ownership we've ever seen of total, uh, the, of all the total lineups that's hitting these top 10 lineups right now. And it's because I, to me, it's really just projections have taken over DFS and this is the year it's really become prevalent and no one's really doing too many things different. So you've seen some really weird lineups hit towards the top pace is something that really factors into all those uh, this Buffalo. I, I was not expecting the Buffalo Washington game to look like a, a, a shootout fest here, but that has one of the lowest um, combined seconds per play uh, of the week here. We've got that Rams game that everyone's going to want a piece of that one looks pretty juicy. Um, and I see some games that might signal some alarms for some really high-owned players this week. So what's the best and what's the worst going on here? Yeah, you said it with Washington Buffalo. You know, one of my many missed bets so far in this short season was on that Buffalo over last week because Miami was another team that has been really moving the ball quickly. I'd like to think they might have hit the over if Tua wasn't out after four pass attempts, but whatever. L is an L is an L. I do think Washington Buffalo could be a sneaky shootout, though, with that. And if Taylor Haneke just keeps playing great, man, I mean, really going back to last year, every quarterback with 100 dropbacks, this dude is somehow first in big time third rate and turnover worthy play rate meaning he's made the most the highest rate of just wild throws and he's also not turned the ball over so it's like if Jameis just didn't have any of the bad qualities <laughs> that he currently uh, and has has had throughout his entire career so it's a small sample just like these numbers are but everything from Heineke has been good so far you know wouldn't be afraid of going with McLaurin or something as a contrarian play in that spot yeah and the Buccaneers Rams which we all know that game total is sky high uh, for a reason as it is Indy, Tennessee popping as the slower pace matchup, mostly because the Colts are just, you know, grinding to a halt in a lot of these spots. We did see the Titans last week really get their play action back up and start doing some of the things that made them more successful in 2020. That was the big talking point after week one was how few times Tannehill dropped back to pass and play action. I'm not overly concerned with the guys on the Tennessee side of the ball, but anyone on India at this point, it's just really tough to expect them to go off in this spot. I mean, I was all over Jonathan Taylor last week. So maybe now that I'm off, he'll uh, feel the, he'll feel right about going off in this one, but certainly not looking like he'll have all that many plays to do so. And then, yeah, just that, 
that Bears Cleveland game where, you know, I think we got a running back we both like on the Browns to potentially attack in tournaments. I think Justin Fields is still firmly in play in cash just for the rushing value, but also not a game that I wouldn't be against throwing a little cheddar on the under. You think they maybe move the offense a little faster with Fields under center? It helped. You wouldn't, I don't know. That's something I might think might next. Andy Dalton, his ADOT just so low. Fields can chuck it downfield. Maybe they open up the offense a little bit. But he's a rookie quarterback. You never really know what they're going to do with those. But that, that's uh, the problem. Like, you, I, I see your argument. I think that'd be better for him. Or is Nagy going to say, oh, we want to protect him and just run as few plays as possible? I, I don't know. Yeah, but Pace, uh, that Tennessee one, I, I know it's mostly on the Indy side. But if we're, we're everyone's jamming in Derrick Henry, the rule of tournaments, and we should have realized this last week, you play Derrick Henry when no one else is, boom, right. you, you ship a million dollars and you sort of fade him a little bit. Although it is a little bit different. He is catching a couple more passes this year. Yeah. Fade him when everybody's using him will be an interesting conundrum in tournaments this week. Uh, moving down to uh, pressure rate. This is uh, defensive versus offensive. You can find some things, uh, maybe a DST, something like that you can use or an offense that you might like, but you might not want to use because the defense might be, or the, the defense might be able to get some pressure on here. Uh, what are some uh, pretty good mismatches we can try to exploit here? Yeah, Justin Herbert's looking like he's really set up well against yeah. the Chiefs. This guy has had 16 starts now. He's thrown for 300 yards or had three touchdowns in 14 of those games. Like, I know it's the Chiefs, but I don't know, man. Like, their defense hasn't looked very good at all this year. You know, they really didn't come close to stopping Baker or Lamar consistently. And Herbert, you could argue, uh, you know, when he's at his peak, is really operating the better best passing game among those three guys so Mike Williams Keenan Allen Austin Eckler I think all these guys are in play in another game with one of the slate's highest uh, game totals and then also Baker and the Browns going up against the Bears OBJ is back not in that injury report and there's not even a Jarvis Landry there to really uh, take away the targets from him. so I know it's a little risky but it's at least looking good uh, with Baker having that time to throw on the other side of things Game is just looking like he's going to be under a lot of duress against the Patriots. Maybe he overcomes it like this year out of every single single game grade that PFF has in week one, Jameis registered the fifth highest one total. And last week he gave us the single worst graded game from a pure passing perspective <laughs> of the season. So that's the Jameis experience. I appreciate it. Maybe Saints fans don't, but it sure does make for good red zone television. And then finally, uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins are looking like they could be in trouble against Max Crosby and the Raiders. So um, only other point, I'm going to check the Bengals on this. Like, yeah, you see Ben having the fairly okay pressure rate, but just keep in mind with this, you know, it, it is something where pressure I think is more due to the quarterback a lot of times than the offensive line. That's like, I see people trying to start saying now that Carson Wentz, like he's taking these sacks the first two weeks, the Colts offensive line is letting him down. He's taken at least three sacks and all but one of his starts going back to week one of last season. At some point, unless you're Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, one of these guys that can run around for ages back there and avoid the sacks, which Carson Wentz is not that guy pal that's when uh these guys are on the problem so pressure like all these things you know you want to add some context to it and would just uh point out that a lot of times it is more of an indictment on the quarterback than the offensive line yeah raiders defense raiders in general i, I don't understand we'll talk about it in bets but how are they how are they just four point favorites at home just make absolutely no sense they're playing great man um let's go to yards before contact i've got this pulled up here running outside of like Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, you know, he's got a little bit of questionable tag. I'm like Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley's a little bit too cheap on the sites. I'm I'm fine in trouble at the running back position this week. There's not a lot of guys I want to use. Is there any, uh, you know, hidden gems we can find here on the offensive line? I think uh, looking at this Denver backfield could be interesting. They're not popping in a ridiculous amount in this metric, but I do think Javante might give us some juice down the end. Cause right now only Nick Chubb is breaking tackles at a higher rate than Javante Williams. And I just really love his price point to get off of the real chalky Clyde Edwards Lair. To be fair, Clyde is, you know, popping as having a good matchup, man. I feel like it's uh, you know, it's like that, uh, rookie of the year kind of Chet Stedman thing where he's asking for like one more chance. Give me one more <laughs> chance, man. That's kind of where we are with Clyde uh, at this point in fantasy land. So I don't hate going down to Clyde and cash, but I think some other lineups I've been able to make, uh, I just don't really want to worry about it, but I see why this is a spot that a lot of people are thinking Clyde finally gets it back together. Uh, the Buffalo backs, it's just going to be such a mess oh, between yeah. Singletary and Moss kind of hard to chase there. And finally Saquon is popping off this chart uh, with a great matchup. So, 
just would say people like quit doing the, Oh, take away Saquon's 41 yard run last week. And how, how do you do? That's always been this, the way this guy plays, even going back to his Penn state days, you know, he only has 40 yards until he doesn't. And then he's, you know, waltzing into the end zone from 60 yards out. So hopefully we'll see that on more than one occasion this Sunday, uh, final bad notes. Najee Harris and the Steelers not looking great, but at the same time, still a uh, home favorite that is going to see, you know, 20 plus touches. So wouldn't fade him just because of this. Also wouldn't necessarily expect him to have, you know, all sorts of big lanes to run through. And then Dave Montgomery uh, going up against the Browns. Browns defense obviously improved from last year, even if they've been a little bit, uh, you know, hot and cold early. And I think the bigger issue for Montgomery, they still want to get him the ball. Like he's getting 15 to 20 touches per game, but it's similar to like Antonio Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, where we're looking more like an upside RB2, borderline RB1, as opposed to the locked in top five guy, because Damian Williams is staying really involved in the passing game. Like last year when it was just Cordero Patterson behind Montgomery, they just said like, okay, we'll give you like 10% snaps per game. Montgomery, you do everything else. This year, it's more of like a true RB1, RB2, instead of the entire Montgomery takeover. Did you just talk bad about your boy, Corderell Patterson? I love him, man, but it's, this happened this week. It happened last year. People get all up in arms over him on the waiver wire. And it's like, yeah, the dude's great, but he's not going to keep making this much happen out of eight to 10 touches. Maybe he will. I'll be happy when he does, but man, you, you got to separate uh, separate love from the job, Britt. You know that. <laughs> uh, let's go to combined pass yards per drop back. These are, you know, maybe you can get some bigger plays uh, and you can sort of see, right, like at Chicago – at 12.1 yards per drop back that's probably not going you know that's going to juice up maybe a little bit right once justin fields in here but this can give you uh some insight into sort of like the explosive plays just games that could generate a lot of offense uh what are some games like that and then maybe a couple offenses that could struggle a lot of it kind of reflects what we were talking about with the explosive passing already. So I won't harp too long on it, but the one guy that sticks out and I was wondering about this is Matthew Stafford and this Rams offense. It's not an easy matchup by any stretch, but to see the kind of the effect the Buccaneers have on opposing offenses, teams just know they can't run the ball on them. I think they've given up like 18 total yards before contact this year. Like you just can't run on them. So teams have just kind of stopped even trying. And that has led to Dak going over 400 yards to Matt Ryan, not putting up huge numbers, but at least, you know, bringing them back a little bit last week, scoring 25 points, um, you know, but by the early parts of the fourth quarter. So I do wonder Sean McVay doesn't have his starting running back, Daryl Henderson, could we see Matthew Stafford just drop back to pass 40 to 50 times and continue to condense everything around Cooper Cup and Robert Woods? Because if that's the case, man, even Higby too, maybe, you know, looking on the Rams side of things for the stack could be the fun way of getting exposure to this game because, you know, I, I need to make sure I'm in line with the uh, ownership stuff, but I just feel like a lot of times people are going to be attacking the Tampa Bay side of things a little bit more than the Rams. And for good reason. I mean, the Buccaneers are definitely, uh, you know, I think they finally got, they were underdogs to start this game, which surprised me, but I think everyone would agree top ranked team in the NFC, if not the entire NFL, but from a pure volume standpoint, man, if that game just ends up going to Tampa a little bit early and we get Stafford and company and comeback mode for a change, instead of just playing with these multiple touchdown leads, I mean, Cooper cups pretty much already hit his ceiling regardless, but I think this could be how we see Woods. We see Higby, maybe even Van Jefferson, who's down there, you know, after coming off his 90% snap game as a popular sub 4K guy. Maybe this is the week that the complimentary guys of the Rams passing game finally get the opportunities to ball out as well. Yeah, I live in the archaic state of New York in terms of sports betting. I, I drove there today. I want the first thing I pulled up was the Stafford uh, attempt prop. Nice. Off the board. It was at 41 and a half. I couldn't bet it because I don't know what was going on, but they had it grayed out. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So uh, that was, <laughs> I, I would have taken the over on that one too. Uh, finally, we'll look at EPA per play. This is just a expected points uh, added, things like that. Uh, what can we take away from this? Any offenses going a little under the radar this week? So the one trend I like to pick up from this, and it was really successful last year in the early parts of the season, is teams that are expected to have an advantage on offense, yet they're underdogs. So that includes the Chargers plus six and a half. 
I like those odds. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you were saying before. Hey, I got him a plus. I got him a plus seven uh, a couple hours ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember you saying before the show that hey, maybe even you know pick them to win straight up. Like, yeah, if we could just look at these two rosters and not make it a Mahomes versus whoever argument, I think a lot of people would agree the Chargers might have the more complete overall team. So six and a half points is an awful lot when you got someone like Herbert that can keep things close. You know, even if things are going south, the Bengals plus three. I mean, the Steelers look look broken. The Bengals don't look too much better. But, yeah, to see that, you know, plus three number and that they've had more success in offense than the Steelers to this point, uh, it is curious. Rams plus one, you know, that's just a tough game. I can see how it's a stay away. But at the same time, you know, unless we are expecting the Buccaneers to go 17-0, this kind of adds up as a game that could be a little problematic for them. And then, which will be one of my bets, is the Eagles plus four against the Cowboys. Like, if, I just feel like if you are a competent offense and you're being – given more than three points against the Cowboys like you just got to bet on that team because as much as Dak and company can keep up and score with anybody and keep the game close on that end I also think the Cowboys defense with all due respect to Mika Parsons who's been playing great at a defensive end not quite the type of group that's going to hold anyone uh, off the scoreboard for all that long all right that's going to wrap it up for the mismatch manifesto if you want to read through it and really get some ultra in-depth stuff Uh, Ian has made it free uh, over on Pro Football Focus. You can check that out uh, all season long. And if you want to get some of the the higher tier stuff, I think they have a a tier like $39.99, gets you a lot of info. And if you really want the high-end stuff, um, you can get access to that as well. Uh, Before we jump into some of our bets, uh, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, if you do, if you just happen to find this, if you've never heard of Roto Grinders before, uh, you can subscribe to us. You'll get access to this show our notifications. Uh, We have shows all the time here on Roto Grinders that will get you an alert for them and click the like button. Uh, Ian does a a lot of work over a PFF. Uh, The likes on this will get Ian some more pub because he greatly deserves it for all the hard work he does. Me, not so much, Ian. uh, Basically, this is just for you. Uh, Let's talk to bets. And uh, first off, in full disclosure, Ian, uh, we are not doing so great in the bets so far this year. This, If you have bet against us, you are just printing money. Um, I we're thought gonna, that we're, was the goal. I thought we're that's try, what we were doing. We're going to try to turn that around this week. I, I honestly, I've liked all my bets. I don't make a bet that I don't really like. I've yeah. liked all my bets. I've got three more this week. Um, so I'm, I've been one in five so far this year. I'm, I'm trying to, to get back to, to, well, I can't even get back to even, but at least put some positive here. And the first one by far is the Raiders. I just, I don't understand how the Raiders are just minus four favorites. They, they, they're playing an optimal offense. Now they're throwing the ball a little bit more. Josh Jacobs, Jacobs out. That's a blessing in my opinion for the offense. They're, they're starting to chuck the ball, get it to players. Darren Waller. I think Edwards can play. We've seen rugs has big playability. Drake can catch out of the backfield. Just don't hand the ball off to Peyton Barber, 13 rushes for 32 yards. Get rid of that crap. Maybe we can, uh, you know, have some uh, good offense for the radars, but I just think this just makes no sense to me. They've beaten the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, I just think this is an easy win for them. I like them at minus four. The Chargers plus seven. I think it's down to six and a half now, but that getting the hook on that is amazing. Getting it at, at plus seven, in my opinion. The Raider, the, the Chiefs defense, uh, I was looking through some of the team grades at PFF. Uh, dead last in the league overall in defense. If you get into the red zone, it's almost an automatic touchdown against them. And the Chargers have had severe, severe, they're probably like the worst luck team so far this year in terms of bad penalties in high leverage situations. It's just really come back to bite them in both of their games so far. So to get seven, I know they're going into Arrowhead, but this seems, and the Chiefs never cover either. They, they, they're they like notorious. I fell into the trap last weekend. I'm kicking that to the side. I'm trying to get the Chargers on this one. They're too good, and I think that Chiefs defense, they just let you hang around because they're so bad at plus seven. And then we both like the Packers at plus three. I'll let you talk about that one. I just think the Packers are straight up the better team. And then I'll throw in an extra one. This won't count on the record. But if you like the teasers, right, everyone likes to do some of those. Uh, the Ravens, they were a plus eight earlier. Uh, so if you get like a six or seven teaser and you add them to something, it's really good. You cross the seven, the four, the three on your way down to them. And uh, they're, they're just not going to lose against the Lions. So if you get them down to plus one, uh, you're probably doing pretty good on that one as a teaser play. So uh, we both like the Packers. Why don't you start off on that one? So on the one hand, Kyle Shanahan has owned this Packers D over the year, five of the last six games, 30 plus points. And the one they didn't was like when their whole wide receiver room got COVID and he said, oh, okay, Richard James, you go for a buck 80, n- n- no problem there. With that said though, yeah, like I don't see 
I guess the reason why we should be given the 49ers this much of a benefit of the doubt when we're still looking at Jimmy G versus Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. And as bad as week one was for the Packers, I thought their performance against the Lions in week two was better than what the 49ers managed to put forward against the same squad. So for me, it just comes down to Rodgers versus Jimmy G over most else. And I think they will have that matchup. And look, like the past 49ers defenses that I think gave Rodgers a little bit more problems with all due respect to Nick Bosa on that defensive line. That secondary used to be a lot better than the current state it's in right now. So Devontae Adams, you know, hasn't found the end zone yet. Wouldn't be surprised if we see him going in across the uh, goal line multiple times come Sunday night. Sticking to the primetime games, I like Philly plus three and a half, plus four, wherever you can get them. Talked about that there at the end of the manifesto. But basically, like the concern for J- my concern for Jalen Hurts after week one was the offense looked great, but his average target depth was like 3.5 yards and one of the lowest of the leagues. Last week, he showed he can throw it downfield and he's willing to. He had Quez Watkins on like a 90 yard catch and run. And then he also threw a touchdown to Jalen Rager that unfortunately got ro- called off the board because he stepped out of bounds just barely. But that was a 40 yard down down the sideline as well so if Hertz can really bring that deep ball into play which I think he can and he proved that last week now he's the sort of quarterback that can force defenses to have to guard every square inch of the field I don't trust the Cowboys to limit them en- enough so I, I think Dallas deserves to be favored and I think they win I think Philly can keep that to a field goal or less and finally the New York Giants at minus three man like they're owing two but without that freaking offsides that I don't know I saw I'm sure you saw that kind of viral <laughs> replay after kind of looked like Dexter Lawrence just got a good jump off the ball I feel like that's being priced in a little bit to more of this I mean we were doing like a rehearsal uh, today at PFF for our Sunday show and just talking about the 0-2 teams that like are truly bad and whatnot and to me the Falcons are like the worst of the worst maybe other than like going the Jaguars when you're looking at some of these squads that have just been struggling like at least with the Giants Daniel Jones has been playing really good grading out as one of PFF's top passers he's throwing down field more this year you know it's not his fault Slayton dropped that ball last week and he had his 60 yard touchdown uh run wiped away by a pretty questionable call Saquon set up well you know we got Jason Garrett the clapper orchestrating things which is always a little bit scary but for me it's a matchup where the Giants are significantly better or at least have been through two weeks on both offense and defense where I look at the Falcons we know their defense is trash and we know their offense is big time struggling with Matt Ryan looking like a shell himself without Julio Jones at this point so you know I just think this one probably should be closer to five or six if we didn't have this you know just Daniel Jones Jason Garrett stench on this Giants team yeah total defense grade through two uh, weeks Falcons 28th over at PFF that trails only the Jets the Jaguars the Lions and as I mentioned before with the Chargers the Kansas City Chiefs dead last uh, in team PFF grade uh, defense so uh, those are a couple of bets uh, Ian, I hopefully we can fare a little better. I did. Uh, I do have money on all of these, by the way. I went, oh, yeah. I, I went before the, the show today because I had a little extra time. So, man, I had a so I'd a, I, we t- I talked about the, the, the Seahawks parlay. Oh, man, that killed me. I had a nice one going too. Yeah, that one was I had another one that didn't have the Seahawks and I managed to I got I got lucky on the Cardinals beating the Vikings like that shouldn't mm-hmm. have worked. So I was going into Sunday night. It was a seven to one parlay. And I just needed the Chiefs to win and I was so close I, I decided to hedge like a gardener and I'm happy I did because mm-hmm. the Ravens ended up winning that but I remember just sitting at that and I was like I can't think of one reason why the Ravens could beat the Chiefs and I was like well look at the rest of your Betsy and like what's giving you this confidence <laughs> in the first place so I decided to uh make the evening a little bit less eventful and I'm happy all right uh before we get into some uh position by position cash and tournament talk Uh, I need to tell you guys about a different way to play DFS, and that's over at Jock Market. Uh, Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check them out. The app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Uh, Buy and sell players in real time for real money. Uh, If you download it now, you get a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code Grinders, and that money is available immediately, right? So if you deposit 50, you get another 50. You got 100 bucks to play with. And get this, if you don't turn a profit in week three, in your first market as a new user, Jock Market will cover your losses up to that hundred dollars. So if you can deposit fifty, you get a hundred. If you ha- you know if you risk it all on a guy and he has a bad performance, you will get refunded. So my tip for you on this would be try to pick some long shots. It's a free bet. That's what you want to do with your free bets. If you got a shot, try to do it. Check it out. I I tried it out in week two. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I've played it on uh, week three already, and I will do it again on Sunday. It's a fun little game. 
Uh, that's use promo code grinders for a hundred percent deposit match and uh, check it out. That's Jock Market, uh, J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com uh, on the web. Uh, all right, let's get into some position chatter here because I think this week's a little bit more difficult. Running running back can be a little tougher, right? If you unless you're spending on Henry and let's say Dalvin, we get that if we get the Adam Schefter. Dalvin Cook's going to play tweet. I think we can sort of jam him and stuff like that. But it's a little bit different of a build. Normally, we've been able to play some decent quarterbacks that were a little bit expensive because we had some value at other positions, and that's not really the way it's turning out this week. So on FanDuel, well, I'll, you play Lamar Jackson on FanDuel. You can get to him pretty uh, – he's pretty attainable over there, at least in cash games. Uh, you can play him on DraftKings, but I think it is a little prohibitive to the rest of your build this week. So the DraftKings build – I'm really eyeing the two cheapies are you got Danny Dimes and you've got Justin Fields. Do you want to, do you want to play the rookie going on the road in Cleveland or do you want to play Danny Dimes at home against Washington and Washington's defense? That's also grading out pretty bad on PFF this year too. So you got, Falcons. Oh yeah. Falcons. That's what I meant to say. Much better. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah, Even better. So you've got two, which one of those, if like you're looking at a cheap quarterback, do you prefer Danny Dimes? He's got the rushing upside. He might get Evan Ingram back. I don't know if that's a plus, but Evan Ingram might be back. Kenny Galladay, eventually he's going to, you know, do some Kenny Galladay things and catch some end zone touchdowns. He's got a nice safety valve in Sterling Shepard. Saquon, Saquon's going to get unleashed this week, by the way. He's had 10 days off since that Thursday night game. Uh, he played 83% of the snaps, I think, in that one. He's going to play at least that, and then they're going to get him more involved in this week is how I see it going. I don't know. I'm sort of on the Danny Dimes version of this over Justin Fields. Where do you stand? I lean a little more field still. I Danny Dimes does give you the rushing floor, but I don't think it's at Fields level. He's I mean, like Fields, the fastest player in the league one year, wasn't he? Or <laughs> at least in one week. Stat, so <laughs> fastest kid alive on that one he tripped up on, but yeah, absolute madness. He, so he, he's been, you know, play, again, I, I mentioned the PFL craze before. He's been playing great this year. I do just worry, though, like, again, that's why I'm betting on the Giants. I don't think they're really going to need Daniel Dimes to put the offense on his back here. I think this is a Saquon game. I think Danny will be fine with his opportunities, but Fields is the one that I think is more likely to hit a rush attempt total between 10 and 15 probably have to try to keep up on the scoreboard against a Browns defense that is good but I think they got a lot of more credit for what they did in the offseason compared to what we've seen through two weeks I mean look Chiefs have no trouble moving on anyone I'm not going to penalize them for week one Tyrod Taylor and company had two touchdowns on that defense after 20 minutes uh, last week. And of course he pulled his hamstring on the second one. Good, good job for shutting down Davis Mills, I guess. But I think fields (laughs) just, you know, as good as Jones has played, I think if we see fields be the guy that a lot of people, including myself, believe he can be, he's going to be in another tier above Daniel Jones. So it's close, man. I won't penalize anyone for going with Jones, but I do lean fields because I think more than anything, I just think that rushing floor for him is going to be more built into his game. Whereas Jones, he gets a few read options, but like he's not going to score a touchdown every week like he has so far. I think uh, it's a little more point chasey than projected. Yeah, and you can get up to Lamar Jackson on DraftKings if you want to. I think the Stafford, Herbert, Brady tier, like in this, if you don't want to play a rookie quarterback, you don't want to play Daniel Jones, right? That I think Stafford specifically, if we're all expecting him to chuck a lot, looks like a pretty, you don't get the rushing upside, which is always a little tough in today's NFL, yeah. uh, but he should, you know, if he's chucking the ball 41 plus times, uh, I'll, I'll take over 45 if I, if I could get a line on it at the sports book, they will let me do it. Um, but yeah, I think Stafford is sort of that mid-tier guy. If you were looking at that tournaments, it's a little, you know, I, I you, you've got golf and you told me not to laugh, but like, he's going to be <laughs> chucking the, he's going to be <laughs> chucking the ball. I got Trevor Lawrence, right? We're both just taking a couple of garbage quarterbacks that are going to be having to play catch up because last time I checked in the scoring rules on DraftKings. Fourth quarter yards and touchdowns, they'll still count for us again. Exactly, man. And with golf, like he's turned in QB8 and QB11 performances so far. And it's kind of an interesting situation where we could stack off with his other teammates that are way too underpriced coming off that Monday night game. DeAndre Swift is under 6K and TJ Hawkinson, which we'll get to at 5,200 is a crime. So you don't necessarily need to go to, you know, see, you could go to Cephas, I guess, with Tyrell Williams out. But again, we just have a, 
bad offense with a not good quarterback. I get that, but at least he's got his targets condensed around guys to build a pretty easy stack. So yeah, we know golf. Like we saw in 2018 when he was or, uh, 2019, when he was really starting to become the bad version of golf, but he was still putting up big numbers at the end of the season. Like he's not, bad enough to be incapable of doing that and he's facing a Ravens defense that I think is probably again similar to the Browns getting a little more credit for what they should be compared to what they have been I mean for the Raiders and the Chiefs to really just move up and down the field on these guys it tells you that when they don't have Marcus Peters and they don't have Jimmy Smith it's hard for them to be the same sort of uh, world beaters so not the scariest matchup Baltimore's coming off, you know, like if you want to talk like a true upset, I don't know, man, Baltimore's coming off the biggest win Lamar's like ever had in the regular season. Now they're going to Detroit. He had a stomach bug the other day. I don't want to call for a Lions upset, but I could see golf and these guys at least making this game more competitive than a lot of people think. Yeah. You know who else has a condensed target tree now that your boy, James O'Shaughnessy, He's out. <laughs> it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I was almost out. Oh my God, he actually caught like a 25 yard pass on one of his three snaps. I wish he would have given me the goose egg. Cause if he would have given me the goose egg, I could have been like, Oh, that's what I get for, you know, going for a sub three K tight end. But he was like, Oh, look, here's an explosive pass play. So you were right. But then I'm, gonna you were going to get there. I feel like you were going to get there with him last uh, week, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? Like they're not throwing, to the guys who are backing up, I was trying to say, they're just not pass catchers. So you get the thing Trevor Lawrence gets you is it gets you exposure to that Arizona game without having to pay Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins if he plays prices because you've got Marvin Jones, who's looking like a true alpha wide receiver with back-to-back good games. He's cheap. Uh, you got Chenault, who's like 4,200 or something like that coming off a bad game. Shark still has massive upside. He had the week one was great, but week two was sort of a letdown. He's a little bit more expensive. But it gets you exposure to that, and garbage points are going to count. I'm expecting Arizona to win that game. And, uh, you know, uh, Cliff, just he just lets teams hang around. And they're going to, you know, Arizona's going to win, but this could be like 34 to 28. And if you get the opposite side of that game for cheap, that lets you get the Derrick Henry. That lets you get a Devontae Adams or a Calvin Ridley or or a Travis Kelsey into your lineup. That just gets you a, a stud player elsewhere. So he's someone I'm looking at in tournaments this week. Uh, moving over to running back, uh, at least for cash, I think you got uh, Saquon Barkley on both sides. FanDuel at 6K, definitely. DraftKings is 6,500. I still even think that's probably uh, a almost must-have, in my opinion. Uh, I'm expecting after the 10 days, uh, he played on Thursday last week, played a lot of snaps. His usage, and he's going to get the snaps, but now he should get the usage, in my opinion. And that goes really hand-in-hand hand with the ease him in plan that the Giants has had. I think they played it smart let him loose this week. He's a little bit too cheap on the high end. We, you know, it, you, you can fit a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin cook in this week. Let's say Ian, if we get Adam Schefter tweets out Saturday night at 11 o'clock, Dalvin cook expected to play no limitations or anything like that. You playing Dalvin or you playing Derrick Henry this week? I think I'm still going Henry, man. Like his situation, it's not the same we might see 70 points scored environment as Dalvin's in, but it's also a home favorite. And as you mentioned, you know, in passing before, like for him to have six targets and six catches last week, like that is pretty darn significant. So I know Mike Zimmer earlier in the week kind of suggested that if Cook's going to be active, he's going to get his usual uh, workload, but man, if it's that close between the guys, it's only an extra 400 to get up to Henry. I just think I'm going with the big dog. Yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm debating that in my head. It's right only 200 now. Uh, Yeah, I guess I got to see what the tweet is that, that comes out if we get yeah. one at all. And the one thing about playing Dalvin Cook too, is that if there is no information, you get the out to Alexander Madison, you just got to leave yourself some salary room to swap. And Ma- Madison is a little bit different than Cook. He doesn't get the passing work. So you will get, um, I, I forget who their third string or whatever. We'll come in on some pass plays. Um, but if if the Vikings are in the game and competitive, you will get a really nice workload. How do you guys' so. ownership projections have the difference between right now? Because I've been seeing Dalvin as the one with almost twice as much as Henry. Let's so see. That- so on, on DK, we've got – let me refresh. We've got Chris Carson currently as the highest projected on running back. I don't know if that's going to hold true. It is a nice price point on Carson. I, I can certainly get behind that. But we've got um, – He's usually come in. They're always a lot more accurate on like Saturday night, Sunday morning than they are Friday. But we've got Cook at 17 and Henry at 16. So basically, and Saquon at 16. I think Saquon's probably going to end up the highest on if you ask me. 
Like if we end up seeing a pretty large disparity between Henry and Cook, I'll take the lower owned guy and just yeah. kind of try to, you know, leverage it that way. But all else equal, I think I would go Henry because we can go as temp. I think you can actually jam Henry and uh, Cook in there with Fields, Mooney. You can get LaVisca Chenault down there mm-hmm. and, you know, some other guys we'll talk about. But I don't mind just going a little bit cheaper off Dalvin to get Austin Eckler in another high scoring oh, yeah. matchup. He's going to have – like the only reason why Eckler in the first week, he got the goal line carry, he got the short touchdown. Second week, he got the nine catches, and he was showing off that part of his game. One of these weeks, he's going to combine those, and he's going to be like the overall RB1 of the week, and I don't see why it couldn't be this spot. So most of my cash, uh, you know, just uh, – lineups I've been tinkering with so far with fields. I like going up at running back this week and then going a little more down receiver. Cause I, I just, you know, you said before, like in the running back position, once you get down really under six K it's just few and far between guys you're feeling great about. Yeah. The Clyde Edwards, Hilaire conundrum. What's the, the final wear on there? Cause like both teams, the chiefs want you to run the ball. The chargers want you to run the ball, but I don't know. Are the Chiefs going to run the ball <laughs> when they have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey? It seems a little counterproductive when you can throw the ball with Patrick Mahomes, then getting Clyde Ed- Edwards Hilaire. And there's some, uh, you know, you go to PFF grades, Hilaire, horrible this year. Uh, you know, like one of the worst, if not the worst running back, uh, according to PFF so far this year. I, I don't I don't know. What's what are we going to do with him? It's just uh, DraftKings playing games with the pricing on us. Like, what's our best case with Clyde at this point? Because the dude's got three targets in two games, and we know the rushing efficiency isn't great. Like, I just don't know if there's – if we run this game back 10 times, like, is he going to clear 20 touches in, like, one of those potentially? Like, I don't think we have – big enough upside here to really warrant going after the dude with over 20%, you know, probably likely ownership here, regardless of uh, the site you're on, particularly DraftKings. So I know he's cheap. He's probably going to beat that price point, but man, especially in tournaments, I'm just going up a hundred bucks. I'm getting Javante Williams. who I think is better. He's got the better matchup and the touch projections are a lot more similar than a lot of people think. And honestly, man, I mean, I know it's like, if we want to talk about, if we say Clyde doesn't have this two touchdown, hundred plus yard upside, why not go up a hundred dollars and just get James White and take our six receptions we're gonna get? Play off Lenny. I might play Lenny. Lenny. Lenny's fine too. Like I yeah. just, I don't think Clyde. As much as there aren't a ton of options under six K, like we were saying, I do think we just kind of named like four of them and Fournette, White, Williams, and Clyde. And I don't think Clyde especially given all the freaking ownership attached to him really warrants going for it. So I'm going to be fading him. Uh, I think more than most people this week. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, according to PFF so far, this does include the Thursday night game. I believe uh, dead last now in, yeah, in grade dead last and pass blocking as well. And that will get you off the field in a hurry. And how uh, do we know that? Like he just lost them the game by fumbling last yeah. week. I don't think Andy Reid will come out and just be like, yeah, we're benching Clyde, but that could happen. Or it could at least be a lot more close uh, than before. I mean, good. You know, I shouldn't say good players that perform this badly, like don't really get rewarded with just yeah. oodles more touches. We can hope that happens, but I think it's a lot of people, you know, remembering the, third round pick you spent on the guy in this August and they're trying to catch up on it behind Salvin Ahmed, Ty Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Devin Singletary oh. sits Clyde Edwards. Antonio Gibson 51st uh, by the way. So he's also down there so far this year. Uh, let's talk some turn. I do like Eckler cash games quite a bit. Uh, I mentioned how bad the chiefs D is. They have the lowest run grade through two games, um, lowest defense in general. And if you get into the red zone, you score touchdowns against the Chiefs uh, more than against any other team dating back to last year. So that red zone offense or red zone defense for the Chiefs, um, just really fantasy friendly. Uh, tournaments, I think we both landed on the same guy and it's it's really tough. So unless you're doing like, unless you're just playing an off the board three to 5% on guy, you mentioned James White, just like a guy who could randomly get there with six or seven receptions, he gets into the end zone. If you're not doing that, I think maybe you're paying up to Chubb. Um, he, you know, we saw in the first game that was a little bit more competitive than the second game. He was the, he's the, he's the lead dog. He's always a threat to bust a 30, 40 yard run for a touchdown. Um, nobody's going to be using him. We've got him at 3% currently right now because everyone's going to want, we're chasing Derrick Henry. We're going to play Dalvin cook. We're going to play Austin Eckler. Who's a little cheaper. We're always worried about Kareem hunt. So just as a ownership um, with some upside, if, the uh, Nick Chubb ownership holds at 3%. He's someone 
Uh, he could, he certainly has a better than 3% chance of being on the optimal lineup when the week's set and done in my opinion. Love it. You know, a lot of the same reasons I was on John Taylor last week didn't work out. Would have been nice if one of his, you know, 90 carries he had inside the five yard line went for a touchdown, but beggars can't be choosers, I guess. With Chubb, I mean, I think people were just disappointed. He like, quote unquote, I mean, he didn't bust against the Texans, but people were expecting, you know, 200 yards. He had like 12 touches. He had 90. That's what, what, I, on the games, they blow teams out. They, they give 50, 50 splits, but on the games where it's close, it's, it's Chubb that gets the majority. Chubb pulls away more. No, you're 100% on it. And again, it's just looking at that top spot. Like, we're not worried about the complete upside blow-up factor thing like Clyde. Like, we know Chubb with two big carries can get get over 200 yards and have just these bonkers games. It's just a matter of him getting those touches for it. So, yeah, love the Nick Chubb call. And then, I, you know, I said it before, just to get off of Clyde, go up 100 bucks to Javante Williams at 4,900. As hard as it can be, man, and we talked about this last week, I still think going back to the well in tournaments, with the cheaper running backs and more expensive wide receivers will just naturally open you up to more contrarian lineups because it's a lot easier to save money at wide receiver with the 3k price floor as opposed to running back at 4k so as tempting as it is to get up to your henry's and the cooks and stuff i think if you wanted to go javante and lenny javante james white you know even uh not Clyde, but is there another guy down here? Naeem Hines, potentially. Mike Davis is sitting there at 5,100. I think there are enough cheap guys to look to that could, again, still give you some upside and also destroy, differentiate your lineup. All right, let's move to a wide receivers. A uh, couple guys here, at least in cash games. So one, uh, Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's back to an every snap player after not really doing so in week one. And against the Buccaneers, uh, they should be expected to pass the ball quite a bit. Uh, he's just too cheap because the production hasn't been there. That's going to bounce back at some point, too. So he, I think he's a lock on both sides for me. Uh, on DraftKings, they, Cooper Cup is just getting wide open touchdowns. It's not going to happen every week. But he's clear. He looks to be the wide receiver one on that offense, at least for now. FanDuel jacked him up a little bit. I still think you can maybe get him over on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, he is certainly in consideration. I think he's like 68 or 6,900, something like that. You can probably get both of those guys. And, and I don't normally play wide receivers from the same team on a cash game, but just when you look at what teams do against the Buccaneers and how good Matt Stafford's been, that is something that does make some sense. Um, I like Marvin Jones, wide receiver one. He's 4,900. Uh, I would definitely play him over Chenault uh, if you can get up to that. I just think the touchdown equity, the longer play equity is certainly in his favor over Chenault for just a couple hundred more dollars. I would certainly do that. Uh, and then you got, you know, maybe with like Antonio Brown, you can mix in the Chris Godwin, someone like that in the mid tier. It seems I'm not getting all the way up to the high end, sort of like the mid tier with like the, that Marvin Jones prices, he should be 5,900 in my opinion. So he's probably someone I'm definitely going to have. I'm probably going to have Robert Woods and then just trying to figure someone that fits in the rest of my builds and as my wide receiver three, you got, you like the bears. It looks like here. If I'm going with fields, I do think a Rob at 6,200, or if we're really paying up, now you can get Mooney down the lower 4K range. So for those just looking at Fields passing box score last week, it wasn't good, but just realize A-Rob dropped a 30-yard touchdown that hit him in the bread basket, and Mooney dropped maybe Fields' most impressive throw of the day down the sideline. You know, kind of counterintuitive to be talking up receivers, you know, bringing out their drops and stuff. But just realize, like, as much as I want to talk about Fields and playing him as, like, you know, using Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill and these guys with the high rushing upside – Fields upside as a passer is, you know, levels above both those guys. We're just doing it for the floor of the rushing. So I think, you know, we don't need to treat him like this Taysom type guy where we don't know if he's going to throw for any yards. That's why I'm still fine going with Robinson and Mooney. Yeah, love the Marvin Jones call. I mean, he is their number one receiver at this point, just far too cheap there. I think if you can get up to Goblin, that's uh, fine as well. So, yeah, again, if you want to go all the way up at RB, I don't hate the idea, man, of just going with Mooney with with uh, Marvin Jones, and then even a little bit down to LaVisca Chenault, who I get it. You, you know, you see negative yards in the receiving uh, box score. It's hard to really make that into anything good, but the shoulder isn't an issue. He's been practicing in full all week, and he's still someone that's looking at seven to eight targets, and I do think he's talented enough to potentially uh, make more out of those than most. So I, I want to throw in real quick, so some injuries have popped up, and you noted on here. Um, so I want to go over a couple of things that have come out while we're doing the show. That's a good time about this time frame as we actually get to talk about them. Uh, so Deontay Johnson's out. Uh, looks like he's not going to play. So maybe you can talk a little bit about 
the uh, the Pittsburgh wide receivers. And I've got a quote here from uh, who was it from? Oh, man, I just lost it here. I'm scrolling through Twitter. All right. So this is from Mike Zimmer on Dalvin Cook. Uh, he said Dalvin Cook is doing much better and got some work in today after being a DNP Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, he was asked if he thinks running back is a position where a player can sit out a week and still be ready. And he said, if you're talking about Dalvin Cook, he thinks Dalvin Cook is a player that can do something like that. So I, I would imagine Dalvin Cook's going to end up playing. Um, but while we're on the wide receivers, Deontay Johnson has been the clear alpha. I know Ben Roethlisberger stinks, but he's going up against the Bengals and that target tree is about to get condensed. What are we, what are we, who, who would we be looking at to replace Deontay? I want to go Claypool, man. He was my favorite, one of my favorite GPP wide receivers last week. Unfortunately, Casey Hayward's having himself a hell of a year and was able to break up some of those uh, deep passes because there are only five wide receivers last week that had more than 100 additional air yards than receiving yards. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Marvin Jones, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Chase Claypool. We can call them prayer yards when they're coming from Big Ben, I guess, at this point. But Claypool, to me, we saw him have how many games? I think it was three with multiple touchdowns. He got four in that one game last year. That was nuts. We know he has this blow-up potential, and he might just get the Eli Apple treatment on the outside. Like, if there's one corner and shadow coverage we want to target this year, it is Eli Apple. And I think Claypool might just find himself in that matchup. But could Juju end up getting a lot of Deontay's more quick hitting underneath stuff? I guess that's the question. But to me, Claypool is the most talented receiver in this offense when Deontay is sidelined. So I'm happy to scoop him up at 5,800. We'll see, though, man. If the ownership agrees with me and now we're seeing, you know, 20% versus 5%, then I probably shift over to Juju. All right. Eli Apple looks like he's one of the lowest graded cornerbacks on PFF so far through Dugan. I think it's been that way for a while for Eli Apple. So Rashad Breeland too, he's another guy we want to talk about, uh, which uh, I guess I'll just start here. Uh, Are we having, are we having AJ Brown wide receiver one G in a GPP season? I I guess this is a different game, but like, I know AJ Brown's your dude. So I guess what I like to do in tournaments for wide receivers, it's the best spot to get leverage on the field. So if everyone's jamming in Derrick Henry, right, because everyone likes him and we're going to chase his game, why not try to take some of the wide receivers in that game? It was Julio Jones last week. I know A.J. Brown's dropped a couple big plays this year. He holds on to those home favorite against Indianapolis. We got Carson Wentz is going to be hobbling around out there with two bad ankles, it looks like. A couple of short fields, a couple extra touchdowns, maybe instead of a Henry week in tournaments, you get A.J. Brown. I like him in a GPP. I like the Minnesota wide receivers because, again, if everyone's playing Dalvin Cook, maybe he re-injures himself. Maybe something like that happens. We can get some – the Minnesota wide receivers have been great leverage plays all season because no one really wants to roster them. Uh, A couple other quick ones, Mike Williams over Keenan Allen. They're pretty much, at least in target share, sort of the same player. And I, yeah. I don't know. I think Mike Williams probably has a little bit more touchdown equity than Keenan Allen in this new offense. Uh, so if you were looking at playing Keenan in that, you could swerve to Mike Williams. And instead of Saquon Barkley, who I think is going to be the most popular running back on all sites, uh, maybe take a look at Sterling Shepard or Kenny Galladay in the passing game to get a little bit of leverage. Uh, one of the best positions to get leverage on the field is definitely a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I would say the one guy that I remember last week, we're talking about how the Mike Evans, his bounce back felt inevitable. And for this week, I think DK Metcalf fits that bill. Like some people over the years, it pissed me off. They would try to say Patrick Peterson was shutting down Metcalf. And it was like, no, Russell Wilson is not giving him more than four or five targets per game to deal with this because he probably has nightmares of playing Peterson a decade ago. The current addition of Peterson, who first of all doesn't shadow to begin with, so it's not like something you need to worry about, along with Bashad Breeland, might be the worst one-two punch at corner in the league. This year, they have been targeted 19 combined times, 15 catches, 266 yards, five touchdowns. Neither defender has got a hand on the ball yet. We don't have a pass breakup out of those 19 chances. So Metcalf, Lock it again. You know, guns are blazing here in this just dream matchup. Agree with a lot of the guys you were talking about. I do think if you want to go a little bit cheaper, you know, Claypool with Deontay out, mentioned that. KJ Hamler at 3.6K. Like, I understand Tim Patrick got the touchdown last week, but we got Teddy Bridgewater now 
fifth or sixth highest average target depth in the league, actually throwing downfield for the first time ever. Cortland Sutton leads the league in air yards. He might continue to do so, but there might also be room sporadically for a second guy in this Denver passing game to pop off and have a big game. And looking, you know, at the lower parts, I, I see the ownership's been changing. Eh, I guess actually not too much. KJ Osborne's getting a little bit more hype than I think he should. People like Nicole Hardman up there a little bit more. Van Jefferson a little bit cheaper than Hamler. I just think Hamler this week has as much upside as the other 4K receivers, but we're not getting the usual high-end ownership with him. So if you really want to go down and save money, I would go with Hamler over some of these other guys. You mentioned Teddy Bridgewater and the whole like quarterback carousel. The Jets, unsurprisingly, look like uh, the foolish team. They, they jettisoned Sam Darnold, and he's been ripping it up undefeated. Uh, the Panthers jettisoned Teddy Bridgewater, and he's you know doing great, and the Jets just stuck here. Uh, with Zach Wilson seeing ghosts against the Patriots, uh, just like uh, Sam Darnold used to here. So Jets going to Jet, and uh, I'm, I'm glad Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold uh, are, are both having good seasons so far. Uh, let's move to tight end. We'll wrap this up here. Uh, at least for cash, uh, you, you can definitely get to a Waller or a Kelsey on FanDuel. I think that's probably in your best interest over there, although you could play Hawkinson on FanDuel uh, as well. Uh, but on DraftKings, because uh, TJ Hawkinson played in the Monday night game, he did not get the price bump. So he's sitting there uh, at, I believe, 5,500 on DraftKings. And it's really hard to argue with the target share that he's getting there. Sure, his touchdown equity isn't as good as Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, but he's also on DraftKings $2,200 less than Darren Waller and $3,000 less than Travis Kelsey. And with the amount of targets he's getting every game, the projected game script, right? I think uh, I know I certainly like Baltimore to win that game. We've seen what Jared Goff is doing without Tyrell Williams. It's TJ Hawkinson. It's Quintus Cephas. It's a couple of drop off or a couple of, you know, screen passes to the running backs. That's their entire offense right now. So I do like that TJ Hawkinson price on DraftKings. Um, you can play him on FanDuel, but I think you're probably a little bit better off getting to a Waller or Kelsey for that ultimate touchdown 15 target type of beast outcome uh, that those two do provide. Uh, who are you looking at uh, for your, I know you've, you've mentioned uh, if you go, you always like the cheap tight end. Uh, and I do agree with you. I think he's more of a tournament play, but you got Gerald Everett playing a ton of snaps and it's not always going to be uh, Lockett and Metcalf getting these deep bombs. Dude, 87% of the Seahawks air yards have only gone through Metcalf and Lockett. Like that is going to shift a little bit to someone else. And it might as well be Everett who in the first week he got the touchdown. So everyone was happy about that. Second week, he only caught, might've even goose egg. I'm not sure. He, he didn't have a good game by any stretch, but his snap rates and stuff and his routes actually went in a positive direction. So Everett has a chance to still be this passing games, number three option in weeks where they're actually forced to throw the ball enough to even get the third option involved in the first place. So yeah, I think Everett is the cheapest tight end. You can go at three K getting off of Hawkinson though, is going to be so hard uh, in cash games. Again, just egregiously, on he'll be over 6k uh next week as long as his usage persists just a monday night discount i would say though on the other side man this could be a great leverage opportunity with mark andrews mm -hmm. got to see you know just how uh, much other people are expecting this bounce back but man like he's now gone i think six straight games without scoring a touchdown it's his longest stretch back to his rookie year you know the ravens have what 58 million reasons to make sure that this dude is going to be happy with his role and everything credit hollywood brown making all sorts of plays but i do think andrews is still the projected receiving touchdown leader in this offense you know when we're going through the manifesto just everything for baltimore through the air was uh you know bright blue and looking good for them so i think andrews at 5Ks, some decent leverage off of Hawkinson. And then only other guy I'd really bring up is Austin Hooper at 3,600. I was looking at him a little bit more earlier in the week before it was uh, seeming like OBJ is definitely going to be out there. So it's tough in Cleveland because Bryant, Najoku, and Hooper, any one of them can kind of score a touchdown during any given week. But I do think with Landry out of the picture, maybe we see Hooper start to be relied on a little bit more uh, as a number two option in this passing game. Yeah, you're going to see a ton of two and even three tight end sets out of the Browns this week. That's yeah. just what, what they're going to do with uh, the injuries. They have a wide receiver. A couple other guys, I think Pitts is still fine, getting a ton of targets. If, uh, you know, if we like Danny Dimes and we like uh, a couple other, you know, we like Saquon and we like that offense to score points in tournaments, Pitts, uh, we've been using him for two weeks and he just hasn't gotten in the end zone. Uh, if he would have, uh, he would certainly have a higher price 
and he's getting the target share. He's playing the snaps. I like him. And then while everyone's playing Cup and Woods uh, out of the, the Rams offense, uh, Higby had a sort of a letdown week after playing nearly every snap week one. I uh, didn't really have too many fantasy points in week two. What do we do in DFS if you suck for us in week two? We don't play you in week three. Uh, so look for Tyler Higby to have some low ownership while playing basically nearly every snap in a game the Rams should be throwing just about every snap. Um, so I like Higby as a way to get some different exposure to that game. Uh, Ian, I'm going to call it a wrap for this one. Uh, thanks to everyone for checking us out both live on YouTube and as well as the podcast feed. Uh, we do really appreciate that. And if you want to subscribe uh, to the Roto Grinders podcast feed and you're not already listening to it, it is the Roto Grinders daily fantasy football feed. Subscribe to that. You'll get access to all of the football shows we do here on Roto Grinders. Ian, until next week, it's been fun hanging. I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, everybody. And we out, Jeff.